You know how divided we are right now. Yeah. I've got a plan. Okay. So we all get something, right? We have to all get something. So Republicans don't really want to give like free health care, free education. And Democrats don't like the death penalty, right? Okay, good. You're with me so far. Yeah. So we do free health care, free education, but with the understanding that resources are limited. Okay. So if I see you're not going to put your shopping cart back, I can kill you on the spot. Because <laughs> yeah. you're a drain on society. You know, so I get to kill that person. We all get free health care. I think education. that's... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I feel like this is a good compromise. And, and understand, if you don't put your shopping cart back, you're literally the lowest drag on society's resources. Oh, I agree. And we should just put you down. Yeah. You I and too, uh, like, anybody with you, they're letting you do that shit. Yeah, they are. And, and think about it, too. Like, you go to a lot of these shopping centers. The people that get the carts, not all of them, but a lot of them are mentally handicapped. You know? Sure. 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 So, look what you're doing there. You're putting these mentally handicapped people in dangerous situations. Very dangerous. And it's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, all I'm saying is, you leave your cart in the parking lot, maybe I put you on your knees and put one in the back of the head. It'll be okay. Yeah. Free education. Educating you not to piss me off at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't said anything about the latex suit I'm wearing right now. <laughs> Full body fucking uh, latex suit, Zach. Yeah. Is it weird you had it all? No. Um, it reminds me a lot of our earlier days where, you know, you're my boss and I did anything for a buck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is, is this is this what's going on here, too? <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome and shit? Yeah. 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 Dude. Today, we have Murder Express boarding passes for everyone. And we're heading to the rubber capital of the world. No, not Oh, Malaysia, where they pump out 7 billion condoms a year. That's a different type of rubber. So get your latex suits on because we're headed to Akron, Ohio, the other rubber capital of the world. They make 7 billion condoms a year in Malaysia? Is that what you just fucking told me? Yeah. 7 billion? One and a half for each person. (laughs) They make them not just for the country. Look. Export, man. You fuck once a year on your birthday if your wife's in a good mood. You don't need 7 billion condoms. And it's your wife, so you don't even need a condom. You just pull out. <laughs> Have her stand up. Gravity. Gravity. We'll take out whatever dick it out. Gravity. And get in there. Yeah. Plus, women have a biological feature where if they don't want to get pregnant, it, the, the body attacks it like cancer. Right. As always, that's Zach. I'll wear a ball gag if it makes you happy. Oh, Callahan. I'm Ryan LaFever, and this is Requiem for a Murder. This story begins back in 1965, probably earlier, when on January 23rd, Richard Cooey Sr. and Patricia Davis swore to a deputy clerk by signature that they weren't either, quote, a habitual drunkard imbecile or insane, and is not under the influence of any intoxicating liquor or narcotic drug. Who's an imbecile? And who judges who is an imbecile? <laughs> well, you don't got to prove it. You just got to swear. Um, swear you're not an imbecile. Hey, I ain't dumb. <laughs> <laughs> in addition, that neither parties were infected with syphilis in a form that is communicable or could become communicable. That's right. These two lovers got married, and they had no fear of getting syphilis. 
Because they swore to it that they were clean. Start this marriage off good. I think that's why so many people got married back in that day. That's the only way they could really be sure that you don't have syphilis. Yeah, because you promised, right? Yeah, you swore. You swore to judge, to a deputy clerk. You wouldn't lie just to fuck me, would you? Uh, No, I I love you. Hey, are you an imbecile? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we both know I am. But this story's not about me. So on a romantic Friday night, based on expert calculations, September 16th, 1966 to be exact, Hold on. That's right, oh, Zach. Oh, no. We're going there again. That's right. It's another Satan math problem. Satan math problem. Six, six, six. Mark of the beast. Three plus three. So September 6, 1966. That's 916, 1966. We're gonna pull the sixes out. That's 666. Hail fucking Satan already. But we still have 9, 10, and 19 left. We'll take the nines. Slide them off to the side. That leaves 10 minus 1 equals 9. Bringing together the unholiest, most wicked, blessed by Satan 69 that could ever occur. A triple 69. 666999. So after a night of the most egregious 69ing and some of the kinkiest, nastiest missionary sex imaginable, Satan blessed off on the conception of a baby boy. Hell boy. And on June 9th, 1967, Richard Dick Cooey II was born. His middle name is actually Wade, but first name Richard. And you know, I can't pass up throwing a little dick in the mix. Now, it may seem a little surprising, but little Richard had a bit of a dysfunctional childhood. His father physically abused him, starting at the early age of three years old. Part of that abuse was his father's unique potty training program, which is basically shoving little Richard's face in the toilet and rubbing his face in his own piss and shit-riddled underwear whenever he had an accident. Like he was a fucking dog. I say like a dog, Zach, but if you do that to a dog, you're a piece of shit. I said it and I stand by it. Rub your face in some shit. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Where do you think he learned that shit? Drove his kid's face in the pee. Hey, I don't know. The only thing I can think of is maybe his father did it to him. It's some, a time-honored tradition. Some book out there that was like, how to train your pet or kid. I don't know. I'm pretty lonely. <laughs> <laughs> I think Richard Sr.'s dad name was John. Hmm. And the only thing I think of is John. Fucking, he was in World War II. Sure. He saw some, he was a tunnel rat. Yeah. He oh, fucking yeah. saw some, well, that World was Vietnam, wasn't one. it? Uh, he was... This was 60s, so his dad was probably in Vietnam. Probably in, I mean, yeah. not Vietnam. Two. World War II. Two. So he probably saw some shit. Yeah. You know, he's probably raped and molested by Nazis. Maybe. Allegedly. And he was fucked up. You know, maybe he was a POW, and the Nazis rubbed his his face in piss and shit, because they had no no toilets in the prison cell. So they were like, It's nine, it's been nine. We'll rub you in the piss and shit the nine. You know? <laughs> and now he's doing it to his son. And Richard, when if he ever had a kid, he would be doing it to his kid. Yeah. And so on and so on. The pattern and cycle continues. At least that's how my I've favorite, been doing it. My favorite part is that we can go all the way back and blame Hitler for this shit. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Big Richard was also an alcoholic. 
and abused drugs. Wait, wait, wait. He swore not to be a drunkard. Yeah, I know, but... Was he an imbecile? He fucking lied. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you had syphilis too, Richard, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Maybe. Because that would explain some shit. Big Rich would beat Little Richard with his belt and hands drawing blood on multiple occasions. Now, his mother wasn't perfect either as she developed a drinking problem. Probably from regret, unhappiness, abuse, and guilt of not snatching the boy and fleeing from that shitty situation. Little Richard had three sisters with a total of four siblings. I couldn't find information on the other one. Do you want to guess it's probably a boy? Three sisters and four siblings? I don't know. I'm going to say... They killed that kid. Oh, maybe. That's what I'm going to say. Maybe <laughs> Hitler did it. <laughs> now, I don't know if Big Rich abused any of the girls, including his wife, or if it was all just focused on the males in the family. But by the age of five, Little Richard began to drink alcohol. Little shit like the party. Yeah, five. At five? Five years old. What was he? He's just like... Was it like whoa, whoa, whoa. Beer, bourbon. Did he go hard straight into it? Like... Five-year-old, home for preschool, like... I see him with hey, a bandana on. Double on the rocks. Smokes in his sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were He's trying to teach fucking... me letters, and all I could think about is, get me a fucking beer. <laughs> <laughs> He's in he's in school. He's in his desk. He's got a 40 wrapped in a fucking paper, fake paper bag, man. Shit. Ooh. I tell you, writing in cursive, driving man to drink. <laughs> <laughs> After 13 years of marriage and five children... Patricia had enough of Big Dick's shit and divorced his ass on September 22nd, 1978. For the next few years, Little Richard would spend time living with his mom, his father, and Grandma Audrey. At just 12 years of age, Little Rich upped his fucking party game and started smoking weed and using speed and other drugs. In fact, Patricia even stated that Big Dick introduced Little Rich to drugs, which is why I'm confused as fuck that Patricia let Little Rich move in with his father after high school in Stowe, Ohio, a suburb to Akron. However, despite the dysfunctional upbringing, in 1985, Richard graduated from Stowe High School and enlisted in the United States Army. God damn it. Seriously? How many of these fuckers are going to be in the army? You can't even you can't even throw a Navy a, dude in there for it's me. It's the perfect place for him. I guess, yeah, man. You get all these murderers and these rapists and send them off to war. There was a couple times, you know, when I was... And where I was looking at somebody like, oh, you murdered this, people? this guy. <laughs> yeah, that dude. <laughs> well, you know, I was stationed in Hood and they don't look for people. Oh, that explains <laughs> a lot. After a year in the Army, Kui came home on a month-long leave from the Army, which for Richard translated to a three-week-long bender of alcohol and drugs. Fucking party up, bro! Did they have drug tests back then? I mean, yeah, probably. I don't know. But even if they did, it's a month. That's true. So if he plans it right, but he's going for three months. I mean, three, three weeks. weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, he's really not giving him much space in between for cleaning his piss. But I don't know if they tested back in 1985. I don't, I don't know what kind of capabilities they had. They just had like a fucking buck sergeant swishing the urine in his mouth. Like, oh, yeah, there's definitely pot in there. <laughs> this tastes like weed and cocaine and cum. Wait, how do you know what cum tastes like? <laughs> It was August 31st, 1986. Richard, a young 19-year-old ginger freckled dick man hell boy, met up with his high school pals, 18-year-old Kenneth Hornets, and 17-year-old Clint Dickens. So here we have Dick Clint. Dickens and Hornets. Yeah. These are some strong names, man. Clint Dickens. <laughs> it's a trio of fucking dicks and whores. You know that man fucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> I pronounce Hornets' name as whore Like it's a net. Either four whores or 
to prevent them. Or I don't know. I don't know. I don't, that's all. Okay. That's all I got. You're either catching them or you're preventing the whores. <laughs> kind of like a mosquito net. You know, you throw the whore net Probably over your catching bed. them. I'd imagine you're trying to catch them. Well, you could try to repel them. Like, you know, you're, you're trying to sleep. You wake up. You got five whores caught in the you got net this... trying to get to you. Like, <laughs> ah, back up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, is, it, is it like a mosquito net that you sleep in? You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, you just, you drape it over the bed. Wake up in the morning and just and it keeps like the how, whores away. How the the mosquitoes get stuck in the net? Yeah, yeah you got like three whores just caught in there. Like, come on, let me suck that dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing all this and it sounds it looks funny. So these three meeting up on a hot summer night to hang out down at Stoner Street Bridge in Akron, Ohio, for a little smoking. Smoking, snorting, shooting, sucking, talking, popping, do a little dance. Chris Farley, Black Sheep. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> so they were just doing what boys do on a Friday night. Drinking, smoking, doing little lines, chasing the black dragon, and throwing concrete rocks off a bridge onto an interstate. Oh yeah, normal things. Yeah, we've all done it. We've Actually, all, I've never done it. We've all tried to kill people on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure. We've done some of it, maybe. Yeah. Just not to throw on the rocks off. I've, I've just never, I've never done, done that shit. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh. No. We've never. <laughs> With our powers combined. <laughs> so these boys were getting loose and having fun. And that fun was, again, throwing rocks off Stoner's Bridge at cars on Interstate 77, the road below them. As the night went on, two young friends and sorority sisters jet off, just got off a shift serving espresso at the local coffee shop, the Brown Derby. It was just after midnight on September 1st when Don McCreary, 20 years old, and Wendy Alfredo, 21 years old, were driving to a bar, the Harbor Inn at Portage Lakes, for a little after-work fun. However, Don and Wendy would never arrive. girls were driving on I-77, they came under Stoner's Bridge when Dickens threw a concrete block about 35 pounds, a rock roughly the size of a volleyball, off the bridge. The block racing down towards the road hit Wendy and Don's car, smashing into the front of the black Pontiac Fiero. The two forcefully pulled the car over on the side of the road. The car was undrivable at this point. Miraculously, neither Don nor Wendy was hurt by the actions of these three stupid-ass punks. Dick Dickens... And Hornets get in their car and quickly drive over to the girls' fear, pretending to be good Samaritans. I'm guessing these girls had no idea that these guys were the cause of their car troubles. Because I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty fucking irate if I was in this situation. And knew that these guys that ran up to, quote, help us, did this shit. Anyways, these boys ran down there to offer them help. Innocent bystanders, even though they caused this shit. So they meet the girls and say something like, Oh, oh, man, uh, shit, your car got fucked up pretty bad, huh? Was it, was it that rock over there? Uh, yeah, the, the rock came down, sky's falling. Oh, shit. Fucking hit, hit my car. Well, you think someone threw that? If they did, they'd have to be pretty strong, huh? You look strong. You guys need, like, a new ride to get a tow truck, or maybe someone 
just as strong to pick up that oh, rock. Oh, would you? You would? You would help that? You would help us? Yeah, get in the car. The girls. <laughs> this is 1986, and cell phones, as we know, aren't in everyone's hands yet. Well, Don and Wendy are like, yeah, sure, and take them up on their offer. So all five of them get in Cooey's car. Well, Cooey's grandma's car. This is Audrey's car. He borrowed it. And the boys drive them over to a payphone in a nearby shopping mall to call the police for help and to call their parents. Wendy phones her mom. Cooey even popped on the phone with Wendy's mom, promising nothing bad is going to happen to the girls and gave Miss Alfredo directions to the girls' disabled car. You think he told her that he was in the army to, like, settle her nerves, you know? <laughs> oh, ma'am, don't worry about... I'm a private in the United States. Nothing bad will happen to these <laughs> girls. I'll protect them. Like he got on the phone and he's just like, hello, ma'am. This is, this is Private Dick. Private Dick. I was deployed to the uh, Interstate 55 <laughs> <laughs> when I happened upon the wreck and I, I, I jumped into action as I would help a wounded comrade. So you said, okay, so you, you say you're going to help him. I just need to know one thing to know that I can trust you. Are you a ginger? I, uh, I, uh. Oh my God! <laughs> oh my God! Never trust a ginger. <laughs> so while Wendy was talking on the phone to her mom, Dickens saw some money in that purse, and he got the green eyes. He was like, oh yeah, give me that fucking money. So he suggested Cooey and Hornets. Hornets. Hornets? Let's call them Hornets. Let's call them Bumblebee. He suggests to rob Wendy and Don. Well, Cooey responds with, quote, I'm game if you're game. <laughs> I, I know he's from Ohio, but I can't not he's ginger he's got freckles i can't not like believe that he's got one of those not just southern accents but one of those i didn't graduate I second think, grade accents i mean i think you're spot on because yeah. he's ginger he's sure. redhead right but he's shaved his head good I he ends up grows a goatee and mustache whatever you call that out what do you call that douche canoe yeah so i mean i think he fits okay the bill yeah i'm game if you're game <laughs> And right there, they made a decision to cross the next line. Once the phone call was over, everyone got back in the car under the premise of returning to the, dis to the disabled car to wait for help. After driving a while, the girls realized they weren't heading to their disabled car and began asking, just where the fuck are we going? That's when Cooey stops the car, tells them to Sh shut up, just shut up, and pulls out a knife. This one was, there wasn't a lot of info on this one. Listen here. In fact, 80% of this story I made up. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. So, There's not even a serial killer named Cooey. <laughs> actually, there was a guy named Cooey. And I had to go do Kill what him. I thought he would have done. Right, right. But I had to make it look like it was 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's the hard part. So... I think it's worth mentioning that the money that Dickens saw in Winnie's purse, it was only $37. I was going to say, but I mean, how much you think you're rolling with? 20, 21? Right, because I mean, this is the 80s. Yeah. Well, in the 80s, $37, you're talking like, that's like 60 bucks. I'd kill someone for 60 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Cooey told Hornets to tie the girls up. That's when little pussy Hornets refused and bolted. I mean, he books. Takes off running fours, gumping that shit. Imagine grump on cocaine, bitch can run for a while. 
until you got to stop and walk because your heart's going to fucking explode. And to be clear, I'm not calling him a pussy for bailing on the robbery. I'm calling him a pussy because he was really clearly against what was happening. Didn't want a part of it. Thought it was wrong. Yet he did nothing to stop his friends from doing what was about to happen. He didn't call the police. Didn't rat them out. Maybe he knew snitches get stitches. But in this case, yo, snitch on your motherfucking friends. But also, don't have friends like these, Zach. Yeah. You know what probably should have tipped them off? When they started chucking fucking concrete onto the <laughs> highway. At least high on cocaine. Yeah, that's true. We've all been high on cocaine once or twice. <laughs> After Hornets build, Cooey and Dickens drove off to an isolated wooded area with their fe- fearful captives. They immediately forced the girls out of the car and began raping them. Cooey raped Dawn both orally and vaginally. You can't do that. You're making me laugh while talking about rape. You just, you just go into it like... Well, you're making jokes and like they took him out and they raped him like, ah, oh, damn it, Ryan. Every time. It's like I have this big mallet, right? Yeah, sure. And it's like think of like a cartoon one. Yeah. And the mallet of it just is rape. huge. It's wood. Yeah. Maybe it's got like a little leather. Yeah. It's not. Oh, it's nice. It's got some leather on it's, it. Yeah. It's a rape mallet. Oh. Like shit. it's like the mallet is yeah. just full of rape and I'm just, just smashing wow. it in your face. Yeah. Like, hey. <laughs> Here comes the rape story. Can I just get a good, honorable serial killer that doesn't (laughs) sexually assault his victims first, you know? Can I just get somebody that just wants to kill for the sake of killing? Oh, yeah. You know, we will. We'll get into one of those. Okay. But today's today's we're not Because today they're raping Don orally and vaginally. Okay. All right. So, Cooey raped Don while Dickens raped Wendy. Then they switched, and as Cooey was raping Wendy, Cooey shouted out to Dickens, quote, I, I, I Quint, put on that bad company tape. After scumbag Cooey finishes with Wendy, they put the girls in the car, but Dickens, Clint fucking Dickens, is pissed off. Up to this point, the girls knew what they looked like, but he wasn't really worried about it. However, now the girls knew Dickens' first name, and that oh, is when the two scumbags decided the girls had to be killed. God damn it, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) So they bring the girls back out and pissed off Dickens snatches Cooey's billy club. You know, a nightstick. He had a billy club? Oh, yeah. Why did he have a billy club? Why does the man have a knife and a billy club? This motherfucker went to the army surplus store, didn't he? He's like, I'm a private. And he just bought a fucking billy club. It's almost like he was ready for this. Mm. It's almost like he had his own kit. Just he didn't have no Vaseline. Would some call it a rape kit? I pretty much probably, but it wasn't complete. He just had a billy club and a knife. That's half the battle. Yeah, I think it was more of a just a kill kit and and some tie up stuff. They tied him up with something. Yeah, but he didn't have that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was the other guy. So Dickens grabs this billy club off the, the hood of the car, and I mean he's furious. He starts hitting the tree with it, just pissed off, and then starts beating Dawn with it until she eventually slumped to the ground. Meanwhile, Cooey grabs Wendy in a chokehold, choking her out. While Wendy was unconscious, Cooey takes his red bandana, ties her feet together to keep her from kicking him and running away. Cooey tossed a shoelace to Dickens, and Dickens began strangling Dawn. As Cooey took his other shoelace and strangled Wendy, Cooey then took the billy club and beat both girls in the head with it, and at some point, Dawn was stabbed in the neck. Wendy was bashed in the head at least three times, and Dawn at least 11. See, I can sound, you know, yeah, yeah sincere. Yeah. This wasn't that long ago. I guess the 80s, man. It's 40 years ago. We can laugh about it now, right? Her mom's probably like 68. She's listening. Yeah, to she this. can't listen. She can't even hear. <laughs> so these two... 
He doesn't know what a podcast is. We're not laughing at their rape and murder, no, people. We're laughing at their deaf mother. <laughs> <laughs> so these two poor girls who were headed to the bar from some fun after a long day's work were now laying on the ground in the woods, raped and beaten to death. Cooey and Dickens then gathered up all their jewelry and money in the purses, hit the bodies in the weeds, brushed their car tracks off the road with some branches and got out of there. The two headed to a nearby car wash to wash the blood off their clothing, the car, and themselves. They then kept the jewelry and money, but got rid of the purses. Later that day, September 1st, Wendy and Don's bodies were found by a hiker. Meanwhile, Cooey was trying to sell off the girl's jewelry. Some of them still had blood stains on them. Even bragging to a friend, David Jones, about how they got them. Jones said Cooey told him that, quote, He said... One of his buddies dropped a rock off a bridge onto the girl's car and that they robbed him and raped him and then dumped him off behind Rolling Acres. Damn. Rolling Acres is the mall with the payphone. End quote. You should see the Billy Club now that it wasn't the original color. Cooey, that is like the worst secret keeping I've ever heard. <laughs> he just straight up. <laughs> you, kill, you kill these people because they may know who you are, right? <laughs> like they know Clint's first name only and then he goes to a friend and he's yeah. like, yo, you won't believe what I did last night. Oh, yeah. I was going to talk about that later. Like, these fucking idiots, they hide the bodies. Maybe not that well, but they hide them. Right. And then they brush the track, their tire tracks off. Right. You know, they tried to hide it. Right. And then what's the first thing they do the next day? Hey, bro, you know what I did last night? Fucking killed somebody. Woo! Bad company. Play it. <laughs> Can I interest you in a blood-stained necklace? <laughs> it's more valuable because you know, it's got blood on it hey they just found these two girls in the forest maybe a bloodstained ring later that night Hugh again bragged some more telling a friend Terry Grant that he killed and raped the girls he even showed him the blood covered nightstick so David and Terry he's, he's he bragging still has, the, still has the murder weapon he's telling all these people <laughs> I'm just, that's what's funny is they ditched the purse we've covered yeah we've covered a lot of like serial killers and some of them smarter than others. But so far, none of them have like gone to a bunch of people and just been like, Well, woo! Right. And if, if this guy was going to become a serial killer, right. I mean, this was his first killing that we know of. Maybe there's more, but this is the first that we know. And it would make sense because the first time is usually more reckless. Yeah. As absolutely. they keep going, they perfect it. Right. You know, they perfect their fantasies right. and the crime itself. And right. then eventually they fucking go on rapid fucking they major burnout. They go from murdering a nine-year-old in their personally owned shed to dragging <laughs> women off to the woods. Yep. Chewing on their nipples like bubblegum. <laughs> <laughs> fucking sexual truffles. The next day, the pair learned the police discovered the bodies, so they set out to retrieve the purses so they could burn them. A day or so later, an informant called the police telling them that all about Cooey, where he lived, how he's trying to sell the jewelry that belonged to the victims. And how he's telling everybody about how he did it. <laughs> <laughs> he put out he put out a fucking opinion piece in the local newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> if there was internet, he would have fucking blogs up on yeah. there. Yeah, it'd be on his fucking like it's yeah. his new Twitter handle, like the rapist and murderer. <laughs> <laughs> Last night, murdered two girls, raped them, listen to bad company. Maybe. Maybe we're looking at this the wrong way. Maybe you took the OJ thing, right? Where he's like, if I had killed them, if I had <laughs> murdered and raped these girls, here's how I would have done it, and here's the Billy Club right. I would have used. 
fucking writing a book if I had done it. If I had, <laughs> but I didn't because I got off the court. But if I had, I didn't read that book. I have but not it, read that does book. It, is it just exactly how it goes? I mean, but it's it, called, after everything it describes. It's just says, but if I had done it, I, but it's exactly the same. I hope I. I mean, I really want it to like after each sentence be like, but if I had, but I didn't, but if I had. <laughs> You can imagine what it'd be like if I did do this. Yeah. And then I, I drove did. to her house and I killed her. Allegedly. I didn't <laughs> do that. But if I had. <laughs> the police set into action working to obtain a search and an arrest warrant. But while they were waiting for the warrants, it was fucking stakeout time. With the warrant signed off on, surveillance waited for the opportune time, and that was on the evening of September 2nd, when Cooey was trying to leave his house. I just picture the old To Catch a Predator show with Chris Hansen. So Cooey is sitting in the kitchen, he's, and uh, while the girl go gets ready, and then Chris fucking Hansen walks in from the back hallway, and he's like, why don't you take a seat on the stool? What are you doing here, Richard? Uh, uh just, just, uh... Just came to hang out, no, nothing else. So you didn't say you wanted to eat her pussy like she was a sweet underage but ripe peach? Or it's not that big, but it's freckled and it will fit right in? Whoa, whoa, whoa mate, this, listen, I, I, I never said that. I never. It's all right here, Richard. We have the transcripts from the messages. Tell me then, what's the six-pack of Mike's Hard Lemonade for, Richard? You know she's 14 years old. Look, 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 I'm an avid member of the community. I'm a, a big supporter in safe drinking in safe environments. Okay, uh, can I, can I leave? I can leave, right? Uh, this is the wrong house. I, I must have got lost. Uh, Mr. Hanson, I love your show. Cooey gets up from the kitchen island and bolts for the door. And as soon as he gets out the door, like six fucking SWAT officers, officers tackle his ass to the ground. Which think, is my favorite part. You think when they were tackling him, they're just like, "Hey, Bill, play that bad company tape." <laughs> <laughs> so none of that shit happened. So as they were arresting Cooey, he takes the he asks the police officers if he can take off his watch and give it to Audrey, his grandma. Of course, they refused for obvious reasons. He said, "Yeah, cause fuck you, Cooey. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, bitch." <laughs> but that watch that he was wearing, it was Winnie's watch. Oh, like how fucking dumb are you? You have well, to wait at least eight months before you can start wearing trophies from a murder. He's he's pretty dumb. I mean, he is. This, you think he was wearing like the belly club as a necklace? He just had it hanging in his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? It's a uh, a dildo. It's a dildo. <laughs> Why is there blood on it? I uh, well, because it's a dildo. I, I go I'm hard shoving it in my butt. Yeah, no I, lube. I uh, just recently started doing anal. I ruptured my sphincter. <laughs> <laughs> While being interrogated, the police searched his grandma's car and his house. They found the nightstick in his room and several pieces of Wendy's jewelry in the car. Among the belongings found was a checkbook with Wendy's name on it, necklaces, rings, and a watch. Not to mention the watch that he had on. Wearing, yeah. Yeah. Cooey gave several statements while in interrogation, which his defense tried to have suppressed. Denied, bitch. There was quite a bit of evidence tying Cooey and Dickens to the murders, and they both blamed each other for the murders. With tape confessions, these fuckers are going to jail or maybe even executed. 
Dickens, being a minor at the time of the murder, could not be sentenced to death, but still tried it as an adult and sentenced to life in prison. Hornets, Bumblebee, and Terry Grant was charged with obstruction of justice Who's for their Grant? part in the destruction of Evans. Huh? Who, who was Terry Grant? I'm going to miss that. Who? Terry Grant, you said? Terry Grant was one of the guys that Cooey was talking to him about. Oh, it's like, and then what happened? The next day, Terry even came over mm-hmm. while Hornets was back with Cooey and Dickens, and they were burning the purses uh, and some bloodstained shorts and shit. Okay. And so he got charged with obstruction for not, like, yeah. writing that out. Okay. I'm guessing why the other dude, mm-hmm. I'm guessing why he didn't get charged is probably he was the informant, maybe. He probably was. Yeah. Not very anonymous anymore. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the name was changed. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Good point. So they, he was, they were charged with obstruction for, uh, of justice for their part in the destruction of evidence. And Hornet served two years, or I mean, Terry Grant served two years probation. Hornets was charged with obstruction and felonious assault because he was there at the beginning mm-hmm. and was sentenced to three to 15 years, which I think 15 would be. 15 sounds good. Right. But yeah. oh. he was patrol- paroled at one and a half after right? one year. Damn it. I <laughs> overestimated at one and a half. I know. When I was looking into this and I was like three to 15 years. Okay. Yeah. yeah he should get 15 years. Yeah, fifteen. And then I good. saw but was paroled and I was like, hmm? <sighs> and I saw one year. What? How are you gonna let? I, I get, I get. He didn't want to be a part of it, but he was like, honestly, I would have charged him an additional case of like being a bitch, right? Like you didn't <laughs> want to do this, you knew you shouldn't, you knew you should have done something, and what you did was run, Forrest, run. <laughs> <laughs> you get three to fifteen for felonious assault, and let's throw on another ten. We'll call it the bitch charge. You're a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably thinking, Cooey. What about Cooey? What did Cooey get? Well, he got the motherfucking death sentence. chair back then we're not using the chair anymore i don't know when they stopped using the chair i don't know either we should bring it back <laughs> <laughs> on december 5th 1986 the court said quote you will never know the degree of pain that you have inflicted on the families of wendy and Dawn. this court will see to it that you never have the opportunity to repeat these acts during the remainder of your life and with that Richard Wade Cooey was sentenced to death by a lethal injection for the murders of Don McCreary and Wendy Alfredo. Off to death row with you, Cooey, where he would spend the next 22 years of his life. 22 years. <laughs> On death row. Damn, that's a long time for death row. That's a whole life, man. That's, yeah. Well, that's about... Uh, the girls he I was murdered say, that's, weren't even that's 22 older. years old. I was going to say that, but then I felt bad about thinking about it. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. Fuck, man. So while on death row, Cooey did some interviews, filed some appeals, participated in some daring activities, Ooh. and made some statements. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. One of those statements was that he did rape Wendy, but it was, quote, uh, r- Rape under duress. I-, I was looking at it, you know, when you're a kid, you're high, bombed. I was looking at it, and uh, at the time, I was getting laid. In hindsight now, I've matured, 
and I've got a clear head and I've seen that it uh it wasn't. Again, fuck you, Kiwi. Jesus. It was just getting laid to this dude. Yeah. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time I'd uh, throw a rock, tie up a girl and get laid, you right. know, just I'd have less nickels than I want to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> it, listen, if the girl is screaming and crying and you didn't already discuss possibly safe words, sign consent oh, forms, that too, yeah. saying you were going to do some kind of role play rape scene. Right. Maybe, maybe throw in. Then like you're a, probably really are raping her. Yeah. Like maybe scream bananas if you want me to stop, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the daring activities you participated in was attempting to escape from prison in February 2005 with fellow inmate Maxwell White with the makeshift ladder using sheets and some other shit. They tried to climb over a series of barbed wire fences, but those motherfuckers were caught. Cooey mm. probably told like everyone in the jail what they were going to do. Yeah, oh, he yeah. Probably, he's probably like, hey, man, tomorrow <laughs> we're going to get some bed sheets, throw them over there. We're going to climb over. We're going to get out of here. You know, you know, he's even telling the guards. I, <laughs> yeah, he's telling the guards. Like, what, guys- what do you want, Shepard? I tomorrow, man, we'll, like, check this out. It's going to be really cool. We're going to we're, we're going to escape this motherfucker. We're gonna get out of here. Yeah, we're going to get. L- listen, on the outside. I got some jewelry they didn't find and another billy club. So <laughs> <laughs> and some shoelaces. Can you believe I told them it was a dildo? <laughs> <laughs> While on death row, he made many appeals. His final last minute appeal was that his veins were clogged with cholesterol and that he might, not that he might, that he was too obese for a lethal injection. I near laughing, but there were recent botched lethal injections in the past. So he's using it to his advantage. He also brought up one, uh, some hangings that were botched. This is obviously his hangings. So it's a long time ago. They're not hanging his ass, but they're too heavy. Right. I don't know how that happened. Uh, but Man, they should have they listened to him. But you might, <laughs> you might be too fat for you this. Fat. Get all the treadmill fatties. Yeah. Run that dude. And at the end of it, still too big. You know what? Just. Look at the flowers, sweetheart. Look at the- <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Take him in the, the little execution room again. <laughs> yeah. Send him off to Russia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was using this stuff as to his advantage, saying the anesthetic would have minimal effects on him and would render the lethal injection a form of cruel, cruel and unusual punishment. Oh, that'd be terrible. We wouldn't want that. Uh, we, we wouldn't want him to suffer. Right. I mean. Not like those two girls did. All right, that's cruel and unusual. Kiwi's standing at five foot seven inches, gained over seventy five pounds, sitting at a robust two hundred sixty seven pounds. Damn, cool. No, that's not a whole lot, but at five foot seven, it's it's kind of it's kind of it's all right. You it's know? pretty hefty. Yeah. I thought you did in prison was lift weights. Nah, not this him. Guy, not when you're on death row. I think maybe what he did, he it, he misunderstood. All right. So in order to get big, you got to eat big. But he forgot to work out after. <laughs> so he's just eating all this shit. I'm all right, bulk face, bro. Yeah, I'm bulking I'm bulk. up, bro. You've been bulking for five and a half years, Cooey. When are you going to do a fucking set, man? <laughs> <laughs> I got to bulk first, bro. It's easier. Yeah, bulk, bro. Get some protein in me. So he blamed the prison food and lack of exercises. As a cause of his weight gain. But on October 13th, 2008, Richard Wade Cooey had his last meal. A T-bone steak, hash browns, french fries, four eggs over easy, onion rings, four pieces of toast, a pint of Rocky Road ice cream, Mountain Dew, and bear claw pastries. You know what pisses me off the most about this? <laughs> Is he eats that, better than us? Well, that. And it sounds like what I have to do to get a good meal is kill somebody. But listen... <laughs> 
you can apparently request how much food you want. So that means the last guy we did only wanted two pieces of cheese pizza and a fucking coffee. <laughs> You're gonna die, dude. Just take the whole pizza. I think it's different by uh, you know by states and oh, okay. probably facilities. But I know. Can you like request to s- eat at like the the China buffet? Well, I last <laughs> the dollar Chinese food buffet. Yeah. So yeah. I know there like some prisons do have a cap, like say twenty seven dollars or whatever. Oh, okay, like a monetary cap. I don't think this one did. It must not have. He had a lot of fucking a lot of fucking food. <laughs> and then being a fucking ginger redneck, he's sitting there washing the dime with that Mountain Dew. Maybe he was like going all in for the two obese to die thing. Like he just <laughs> wanted a couple more pounds last minute. Like you can't do it. You can't kill me. I'm too fat. <laughs> it's a lot of food. So much food. He finished his meal shortly after midnight. Imagine, just imagine. The ferocious post-mortem shit this dude took in his overalls after his oh. execution. Mm, so steamy. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't imagining. Now oh. I am. Yeah, me either. <laughs> now imagine those poor prison guards that had to like drag his body off, like, oh my god. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jared's in the background. Jared, what are you doing back there? Nothing. Jared, what what's that chocolate pudding in your hands? Why is this stuff in your pants? Jared's got a scat fetish. (laughs) And that guy would go on to be Jared from Subway. (laughs) (laughs) It's the same guy. Not that we give a fuck about what he has to say, but his last words were, quote, For what? You motherfuckers haven't been paid any attention to anything I've said in the last 22 and a half years. Why would anyone pay any attention to anything I've had to say now? What? I... Hey, Jared, Richard, are you going to say your switch. last words? <laughs> you, sh- you sure those want to be the last words? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. All right. Hey, Bill, play that bad company tape. Let's do this. <laughs> Jared, quit jerking off with that shit. <laughs> On the morning of October 14, 2008, after only sleeping about 90 minutes and pacing most of the night, probably out of fear, turned down breakfast at 10.28 a.m. And after a couple crybaby screams from a couple failed sticks, a good stick was achieved. And the lethal drug surged through his veins. He was dead. He skipped breakfast? That's the most shocking part of this whole yeah. story. And, the, and this prison usually doesn't do um, last, last meals. Okay. They just do a special breakfast. Uh, Some okay. I don't know. I'm guessing I'm guessing he was sucking Jared off or something <laughs> to get the, <laughs> to get the last, last meal. meal. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, I had to be sucking Jared off. <laughs> whole time Jared's like, ah, <laughs> I dream of a foot long one day. <laughs> <laughs> this whole time, fucking Richard's shitting in his hand, jerking off Jared and sucking off his dick at the same time. Listen, I'll, I'll eat my own Rocky Road and suck your dick if you actually get me some real Rocky Road. Maybe a bear claw. <laughs> I'll suck on your T-bone steak if you get me a real T-bone. So... <laughs> Zach, you're probably thinking, finally, finally a story where the police didn't either have the the criminal in custody for a crime or was alerted, and yet they either did nothing or the scumbag only received a light sentence. Not that that would make the story any better. But think again. In the trial, reports were brought up titled Prior Criminal Records. It's not clear. (laughs) Yes, I know. Sorry. It's not clear if the criminal charges actually came from the incidents in the report. But two, ins- two incidents were clearly mentioned. So we don't know if he actually got charged with anything, did any time. But a report of assault where the victim's jaw was broken and one of the worst crimes a person can commit, sexual assault on a two-year-old. 
So sorry to be the bearer of bad news yet again and just smash this into your face. We indeed have another scumbag with prior offenses that led to even more monstrous acts. He was accused of or like charged for a 52-year-old? I was reading through fucking court documents, man. man. A lot of them. And this is why I came. I couldn't find this shit anywhere else. So I was reading through the whole fucking trial, his appeals, because this shit was brought up in his trial and... His defense argued, you know, try to have it, you know, yeah, dismissed and dismissible yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Right, because it wasn't. He but wasn't it was part of his uh, social history. Gee. You think you think before he was a prison guard, Jared was a cop and gets told that there was a two-year-old raped and he gets there and he's like, yeah, you're having good work. <laughs> I'm going to get a foot long. <laughs> and some shit. Lose some weight. <laughs> So thanks for joining us on Reckon for a Murder. Again, do us a solid. If you like the show, rate us on Apple Podcasts or where you like to rate podcasts. Write something in there like, mm, sex ball gag makes me drip like a wet alocasia leaf in the Amazon rainforest uh, after clouds squirted all over me. Or whatever. Tell us how your week has been. But if you don't like the show, skip the fucking review. Don't be a Richard. We can just say goodbye to each other and never hear or see each other again. But I will think of you fondly. And often, late at night, when it's dark and the rain is falling, I'll think, John Doe, why aren't you listening? (laughs) (laughs) If you want to support us even further, I think we deserve your hard-earned, cold, hard cash. You can just sew at patreon.com forward slash reckon for a murder. There are many options out there. On there. It's your money. Your choice. If you do, we'll even give you a shout out on the show. And everybody, we know everybody wants their name thrown in the mix with murderers and rapists. You don't gotta give us your real name. You can you can definitely do a pseudonym. You need Johnny Big Dick. Uh, Janice. Janice Flop Tits. Uh, you know, whatever. These are my aliases. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it's been using to rate our podcast. <laughs> you aren't supposed to tell them that. Again, I just want to end with our classic motto that I say every turn. The no three R's. That's no raping, no robbing, and no rectal violations. Because we have to respect each other's act. We don't have to like one another. But we should love one another. Love one another like we're both wearing full body latex suits with nipples cutouts nipples pierced with a chain connecting them so you can lead me around like your pet oh and a bright green glow in the dark ball gag so i can say all i can say is it's a new year try new things but don't make somebody try new things because they have to consent respect that's all i'm saying right zach that was the weirdest psa i've ever fucking heard (laughs) (laughs) thank you for joining us until next time adios i'm not an imbecile